You're listening to a podcast from BJSM. Welcome to this BJSM podcast, and I'm delighted to be with Carl Askling, who has been a major force in sports medicine on hamstring injuries in the last decade. Kyle, congratulations on finishing your thesis, which was dedicated to hamstring injuries. Thank you. That's great. And I met Coral at a conference in the UK, and I saw these amazing new data that seemed to revolutionise things. Tell us about the two types of hamstring injuries as you see them. Yeah, yeah. the most common injury in hamstrings is the high-speed running type. And we can see that in sprinters, but even in soccer, of course. And uh, approximately 80% of all hamstring strains in soccer uh, occur during high-speed running. And the other type is the stretching type. And you can see slow stretching type of hamstring strains in dancers, for example, and high-speed stretching type in soccer. There you have a lot of hip flexion combined with knee extension. And I understand that you discovered that these two injuries behave very differently. Yeah, because, for example, the stretching type, you provoke them a lot if you perform passive stretching. And that is commonly done, for example, in my country, Sweden. So that provoked the injuries. And uh, even high weight uh, lifting, loading on the hamstrings. So you should take it very easy in the beginning with that type of hamstring strains. If you look at the high-speed running type of injuries, you can start performing jogging very early on. After three, four days, they can jog without pain, but they cannot walk with long strides without pain. But we think that it's important to go on fast with jogging, for example. So there are two types, and the type with the stretching, which happens in the dancers and can happen in the football players when they, when they slide, those ones are more sinister, if I could use that word, a bit more difficult, they take longer to get better. Is that what you found? Yeah, we saw that very clear in, the, in my thesis, that we compare sprinters with dancers. Uh, but uh, for sure, the dancers can do a lot early on, but they cannot do the sagittal split, the side split, the high kicking, for example. So it takes a long, long time for them to come back to pre-injury level. And that, but that was a descriptive study. But now we have an ongoing study that we perform intervention. We compare two different rehabilitation programs. One program with conventional exercises and one with more lengthening exercises of the hamstrings. And uh, the preliminary data shows that the lengthening program is more effective if you look at time to come back to, uh, for example, soccer players to play a, a match. At this time, we have not been um, able to look at the other two groups. We even do the same thing on in track and field and on other sports, such as dancers. Okay, so for the clinician who's listening and they're thinking, this applies to football players, soccer players initially, what do you recommend they do? Just repeat that, just take us through what a clinician who is treating football players should do now in your mind. If it's a soccer player on elite level, after the initial clinical examination that shows this must be an acute hamstring strain, 
you should perform an MRI because that can give you important information. You should measure the edema, the longitudinal length of the edema, for example, and you can measure the distance between the ischial tuberosity and the proximal pool of the edema. Uh, and the third parameter that we think is of importance is to registrate if the proximal free tendon is involved or not. And that's to differentiate these two types of hamstring strains, really. Exactly. Right? Yeah. If the proximal free tendon in biceps femoris, long head, for example, or in semimembranosis is involved, it seems to be a prolonged rehabilitation period. And so let's talk about the management of the classic fast sprinting soccer injury that doesn't involve the tendon very much. What do you recommend when you're teaching students as to treatment of that injury? Uh, they can come back early on, but you should be very, very um, distinct when you do the clinical examination. Because we have seen in uh, 60 or 70 percent of, uh, of the soccer players, they cannot contract uh, the long head or biceps femoris in a proper way. And it's very simple when you do the examination. You palpate when they do a knee flexing combined with hip extension in a prone position. And then you compare the tension in the uninjured side with the injured side. Commonly, you felt that the uninjured side is as a rock, is as, just say... Hard as a rock. Exactly. And the other side is very soft. Then you have to learn them by their own feedback. They palpate during contractions. And that is a good way to go forward faster. So it's an active exercise program. Exactly. From the early beginning, you should start day two with exercises. And in your experience, and I know timelines are tricky, but what sort of timeline are they looking at to get back to football or sprinting? If we look at the soccer players in our ongoing study, there is a big range. The fastest guy was back after 10 days and the longest time, 96 days. Let's talk about knowing when those players are ready to get back to sport. You've got an interesting new test for that. Yeah, uh, an active hamstring flexibility test. Uh, that's right. Commonly, we use the passive uh, slow test of range of motion, but we have now a new method. Uh, and we have done, uh, used that method during three years, and it's a tough one. Uh, you should lift the straight leg raise as fast as possible to the highest point without taking any risk of injury. And if you feel un insecure on the VAS scale, you should not go back to full training or match. Then you have to go on with your rehabilitation period for one week, two weeks, and then you perform the test again. We have only registered one re-injury of all these 190 athletes included in the study at this time. Now, that's very exciting. You've got tremendous clinical experience, Carl, and you've done great research in this area, so this is a very exciting innovation that many clinicians will be trying out because it's such a problem knowing when players are ready to return to sport. So just to finish up, I'll ask you about the management of these type 2, the stretching type um, injuries, which traditionally take longer to get better. How do you 
recommend that they be managed? Um, as I said before, no passive stretching that provoke these type of hamstring strains a lot and no heavy weight training early on. But they can do all pain-free motions uh, after a couple of days. Uh, so this type of injury is very is difficult for the athletes to understand. I, I really have a serious injury. Because if you look at these two groups, the sprinters or soccer players that get injured during high-speed running, they get a lot of pain, falling down, uh, use crutches and so on. But uh, if you look at dancers or other uh, stretching type of injuries in soccer, they are stand up and walk away from the injury situation. And, but I don't say they, sh they should be active and do as much as possible. But it takes time before they can do the final things that they need in their respective sport. Carl, I've had the pleasure of hearing you talk about this a couple of times, which is great. And what struck me is that you really have a categorization of two categories. And there were three categories before, but they're completely different concepts. And I'm worried that some people won't realize how different this is, because before people were talking about grade one, grade two, and grade three, but you're categorizing these injuries very differently. So tell us about that. Yeah, grade one, two, and three, and sometimes even grade four. You can read all about this in textbooks. And for me, it's very difficult. How can you say grade one with a clinical examination. Grade one, you can read just a few muscle fibers that are ruptured. And grade two, more muscle fibers ruptured and the strength and flexibility is more decreased. And grade three is a total rupture. And this is based on the clinical examination. And the clinical examination acutely is very difficult to do. So my first recommendation is take the athlete back day two and do a new careful examination. That is a good thing. This um, classification is not so very good. It's better to first ask the athlete how did this injury occur? During an extreme position or during high-speed running? And then you can perform a careful palpation and you should measure where the maximal palpation pain is located. And you can um, measure the distance between the ischial tuberosity and the point with maximal palpation. And the closer you are to the ischial tuberosity, as more prolonged rehabilitation period uh, was the case in our earlier studies. We don't know exactly now, but it seems to be close to that result even for the soccer players now. And then the MRI is helpful because it distinguishes which muscles involved? Exactly, very clearly. And that is a good, um, interesting information, of course, important information, I can say. Uh, especially if the proximal free tendons are involved or not. Okay. And so then when you're seeing these patients clinically, you do what you've just told us and you don't worry about the old-fashioned grade one, two and three. I don't do uh, that. I listen very carefully and if they have a video uh, sequence of the injury occurrences, it can give you even more interesting uh, information. 
Thanks, Carl. Well, it sounds like you're really challenging beliefs, and we like that at BJSM. This is great new stuff, and I know our listeners are going to love it. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. For more information about this program and other BMJ Group podcasts, please visit bmj.com.